0: Y'all listening to the Real Health Podcast, and just as a little heads up, this podcast interview contains themes of consent, abuse, and features of voice recording, which has profanity, misogynistic, disgusting, and woeful language. So if there are little ears around, I would save this episode for a time when you can pop your headphones in. But please make sure you listen to it, because this is an important one. (laughs) Welcome back to The Real Health Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ebony May, and today's episode is a little bit different. Last month, an online dating story went viral with headlines and articles spanning across Pedestrian, Marie Claire, The Daily Mail, and Pop Sugar, just to name a few. At the center of this media storm was Ebony Sanderson, a 26-year-old local Bondi woman who just last month exposed a man, now commonly known as the Bondi creep, for hurling vile and misogynistic abuse via online messages and voice notes. Thomas McGurk, aged 28, was unmatched by Ebony on Tinder after a brief chat which wasn't eventuating into anything more. Tom then found and messaged Ebony on a different dating app, which led to Ebony and Tom exchanging Instagram and Snapchat details. Tom then insisted that Ebony pay him a visit after she arrived home from university. Beginning to feel uncomfortable with the situation, Ebony politely declined his invitation, which was met with a shocking and disturbing reaction. Ebony's awful experience, which she outlines in today's interview, has been used to start an important conversation about consent, standing up for yourself, and why women in particular feel the need to cater to the needs of others and cushion the fall when saying no. I appreciate and feel so proud of the bravery that Ebony has demonstrated. I feel so grateful that she shared this story with The Real Health Podcast. Without further ado, here's my interview with Ebony Sanderson. Welcome to the Real Health podcast. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. <laughs> so exciting. I firstly want to thank you so much for speaking about this topic. It's so important and I also want to point out that we are named twins. Everyone listening, Ebony is also an <laughs> Ebony May. So I just
1: found that really cool. <laughs> it, this is why we connected. This is why I read your message. <laughs> Exactly, exactly, to Ebony Mays. I mean, you spell it differently. I always wished that I had the I-E. It's actually funny because sometimes I look at like Ebony's that are spelt with a Y, sometimes I look at it as a completely different name and I'm like, wow, that is so weird. Well,
0: I always, when I look at yours, my mind says Ebony, but I bet you it's the same (laughs) for yours, for for, like looking at my name because it's different, it's so funny.
1: (laughs) But we're both May with a Y, so that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) exactly
0: okay so I've heard you as I said I've heard your story through another podcast and I was so blown away by your bravery and I wanted to have you here on the show because I have such a young audience especially and because I want to help you continue to spread your message and your story so before we get into the nitty-gritty I have so many questions for you but if you can, can you just sort of do a little bit of a brief outline of the events that unfolded in September?
1: Sure. So this all started with, um, basically if I go right back to the start, I'm at the moment, someone who's online dating, like I'm casually dating and I have not had an experience like to this extent where that's why for me it was, it was a big deal. And then as it unfolded, it was kind of me realizing how much, you know, this is, this is real for women everywhere. This is something that lots of women experience. So you're just starting just starting there. Like I'm online dating and I come across this guy named Tom. As if anyone knows the story, we we matched on Tinder. And to be honest, not a lot happened from that that Tinder match. I'd basically unmatched him at the end of the day because, you know, I didn't think there was anything special. There was no connection. And this is where it got a little bit confusing. And this is where I, like I explain that it's a red flag for me now and that's why it's important that girls kind of listen to their intuition and trust your own instincts because that's, you know, that's so important. Yeah, so after unmatching Tom on Tinder, he actually found me on another dating app called Hinge and this app you can you can message, you can like a photo, you can send an emoji and basically that person sees it straight away. So like the other apps you have to keep swiping until you mm-hmm. both have a mutual Um, like you both swipe right. But with Hinge, you can, you can reach out before, you know, you both swipe each other because I probably wouldn't have swiped right again. So when we matched on Hinge, basically he was like, oh, you know, are you you mad at me? Why did you unmatch me on Tinder? Um, And then that's when, you know, I knew that I shouldn't have kept the conversation going, but I was like, oh, I'm going to give him another chance. And, you know, we're going to chat on Hinge. I think that
0: sometimes we have this sense of security and safety and non-attachment because you can unmatch or unfollow people. And like we're saying off air, it's a kind of, we sometimes feel the need to, I guess, apologize and justify ourselves when we're talking to someone face to face. But I guess we sometimes think online, we can be like, okay, cool. I blocked that person. That's that. So how did you feel when he found you on another platform? And why do you think, like you said, it was sort of going against your intuition. So what do you think made you want to talk to him again? And how did it feel that You sort of, you blocked him and then it came back again.
1: Yeah. So just like initially what I did was like, again, sometimes we shift that uncomfortableness or um, like rather than being like, no, like he, I don't want to talk to him again. I was like, oh, maybe I was rude. Like maybe I shouldn't have unmatched him so soon. And then I genuinely listened to his apology and kept chatting. To avoid having that uncomfortable conversation, I just accepted the apology and kept talking to him rather than being like, yeah, it was kind of like making sure I didn't go into that uncomfortable awkwardness of having to explain why I didn't want to talk to him or why I unmatched him. So again, it was me just kind of... Avoiding an awkward situation and making someone else feel comfortable. That's when, like now I look back at it, and so many people like you could have avoided talking to him. My whole point is that we don't know these things, and it's not my responsibility to stop it before it happens. Like it's his responsibility to not do it, exactly, to not treat women like this. So you know, when people are saying, "Why did you keep talking to him?" or "Why didn't you block him?" when the fact is, in the end, you know, I did have to block him on every platform but initially we don't know this we're on dating apps for a certain reason and we're wanting to connect with people like why wouldn't I try and have a connection with someone if they reached out again and said sorry like I'm like oh maybe he is interested you know we always have those like I said there was my intuition of like oh this isn't going anywhere I'm not interested in him and then there's the other side of me that's engaging in conversation and is an accepted an apology and I know that that I've done that like I could have discontinued talking to him from the start but that's not what happened so yeah that's basically yeah just how it how it unfolds
0: and then so after he found you on the other apps and you started talking again what happened from there
1: so yeah not long after we were talking on hinge and then instead we moved to instagram and it was only and that's why i say like it it really unfolded in such a short amount of time like that's the crazy thing we weren't talking for weeks we weren't talking for days we matched that morning. We were chatting a little bit of like flirtatious chat. That's what I'm saying. I wasn't straight up like like we. Were, the conversation was fine initially. Um, it then just it, it was the, the the morning we matched. It led into the night of him yeah wanting me to come over. Um, when his nature turned very aggressive and forceful, this is when I had all these red red flags going through. Like just because I'm chatting to him. You know doesn't mean that I have to to go over there and sleep with him or yeah, this is where it kind of changed was he was expecting things from me and yeah it really quickly escalated all within a day. Like that's how quickly everything went from zero to a hundred.
0: When it got to the point where he did start to turn a little bit aggressive, you kind of tapped out and was like, No, like I'm not gonna come over, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be able to sleep with someone, like you're very attractive. And and this is what I want to talk to you about as well. Like we end up apologizing and justifying ourselves when we shouldn't have to, and sort of consoling them. And when I read some of those messages, I was like, You were literally consoling him, like he was being so rude and yet and this is nothing against you I think as women we we have that that need or that feeling that we need to be uh mild and and polite so and then you did say in the in another recording that you kind of felt annoyed at yourself for feeling the need to do that but I think we all would have felt that so why do you think so many women feel the need to cushion the fall so to speak for others when saying
1: no yeah like exactly what you said then like I feel like it's ingrained in us And a lot of us try to, you know, we don't want to hurt their feelings or we don't want to bruise their ego. So what we do to avoid that uncomfortable conversation is that we just take all that all that feeling to ourselves, hold it in, and then they don't even know that we feel uncomfortable or that we didn't like what they said. Um, And like I'd mentioned, then they don't really know what they've done wrong. They don't have the consequences. And that's what I highlighted in my initial post was like, I was really annoyed that I, you know, was so polite. And I told him I was, you know, really uncomfortable with coming over, but I kept apologising, which really annoys me because it was like, you know, the drop of a hat. He was able to start, you know, abusing me, fat shaming me. And I was still, you know, commenting on his good looks and how he'll be able to, you know, find someone else to sleep with for the night. So that was a bit annoying that exactly I had to like cushion, like exactly what you said, I had to cushion the fall and I was really making sure I didn't make him feel uncomfortable but we shouldn't have to do that if if someone says something offensive or you don't feel comfortable you should be able to speak up and say exactly how you feel so that's a really important message because I know that a lot of the time we don't stand up for each other and like us standing up for ourselves is standing up for other women that's what I like is one of the main points I'm trying to make as well that when we say no and speak up about it um they're being called out for their actions and it does have a ripple effect for sure.
0: And I think there's obviously no right way to handle something like that because you can't handle somebody else. You can't control somebody else's actions. But hindsight is a beautiful thing. Do you think there is anything that you would have done differently if this had ha- if this happens again?
1: That's a really hard question because um, this unfolded in a way that I didn't expect, but like, I'm really glad that it happened and that I went through, like, I know, like I said, there were so many red flags now, like, when men talk to you like that, or treat you like you are less than them, you shouldn't even waste your time and energy on them. So, like, there's so many red flags for me. But if I was to go back and change anything in time, like, I probably wouldn't, because after sharing my story and having it basically spread, like, more than I ever imagined. Like that was a blessing in disguise because all of these women who had experienced this, you know, by the same men and other women who have experienced it um, in general was like overwhelming. And it was a massive wake up call for me. So I think it was really, you know, there was a positive out of this. I didn't really want to be exposed like this, but all the women that have come forward and spoken up to me is like, is worth it. Like if this stops a few women from having to experience this or having to have a run-in with, say, this guy, um, yeah, I feel like that—that that is worth all of this crappy stuff for.
0: Oh, 100%. Uh, and that's why, that's why I keep saying, like, I'm so proud of you even. I think that's weird to say, like, obviously, I don't really know you. But like, I feel really <laughs> proud that you've taken this really awful situation. And I can imagine that, even when I hear the recordings, like every single time my blood absolutely boils, like you wouldn't, you didn't have to share that and you have. And I think that's so amazing. And I kind of want to speak about the the support that you've received because you've spoken about how much support that you've received, but you've also received some messages and accusations that you are to blame for the way that he treated you and that, Not even not directly to blame, but some people are sort of just saying, well, come on, like, what what did you do to, like, cause this abuse? Like, why did this come out of nowhere? And I think that I want to firstly highlight that even if you had antagonised him in some sort of way, that the things that happened are on him. Do you know that, like... I just, it's so, so mind boggling that people are ready to defend or justify what he said because of something that may have happened. So I want to know, why do you think we're so desperate to place blame and shame on women? And how did these sort of messages make you feel?
1: Yeah. So initially it actually took four days to get like a negative message or a troll. So initially I was like, you know, to me it was so empowering and like, the amount of support I got firstly was like amazing. And all the women, like you said before, like you're proud of me. So many people sent me these messages and it was like, you know, that's when I knew like I'd done a good thing. And so many women like resonated with this and had so much to say about it. Um, so the support was like, this is the most important part about everything for me. Like, and every single message I wish I could have responded to every message, but like none of them go unnoticed so yeah I think that's one thing the support um, and it just goes to show all the women that like pull together and like the sisterhood is so strong um, yeah it was it was incredible to see that but of course like along with when something goes so public and when you're involved in like social media you're gonna have you're gonna have trolls and you're gonna have people that say negative negative things about you So yeah it was really disheartening for people to start trying to shift the blame on me so basically you know all of his actions and everything that he'd done, the fact that people wanted to then put that blame on me like well you must have been flirting with him um, you you must have given him the impression that you wanted to sleep with him. My main point is that <laughs> no matter what happened before, no matter flirting, no matter anything, when I felt uncomfortable and I said, I wasn't interested anymore. That is, that's me saying, no, that's my consent. That's me changing. You know, we're entitled to change our mind. If we don't feel comfortable talking to someone, then don't. And I hate that so many people are sending those messages like, oh, show us what you said to him. Like, what do your voice recordings say? Like, that is irrelevant. He decided to, you know, um, like abuse and fat shame me and, you know, criticize my appearance and my looks, that was on him. That was his decision. That was his reaction. It has nothing to do with, you know, me letting him down or leading him on. So, yeah, I think that that's ridiculous that people try to shift the blame from, like, the man to the woman. So, yeah, (laughs) I think it's, it's kind of disgusting when men do that and think that that's okay.
0: It kind of reminds me of all those stories we hear about, you know, women getting assaulted and then saying, oh, well, what was she wearing? Or, you know, why was she out so late? Or why was she by herself? Like, why should we be taking all these extra precautions to protect ourselves from people who can't control themselves?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah, we shouldn't, already online dating and already as women, um, we have all these extra things that we have to be careful about. Like, why should we then take extra precautions to avoid other people's actions like if if that makes sense it's like everything that happened and these situations that we've we're faced with um we shouldn't we shouldn't be accountable for these like they should be held accountable and they should know how to treat women with respect. I, I totally agree with you there. This is editing Ebony chiming back in to give some context. The
0: voice message that I'm referring to, I am going to insert here. I have Ebony's permission. And I think that it just really shows how horrible and horrific the abuse that Ebony received was. Because even every time I hear it, I've heard it a few times, I still can't believe it. So this is one of the voice messages that Ebony received.
2: Uh, okay. Enjoy your night. I won't. don't want to waste any more time. Okay. Well, um, you're actually a fat fucking pig. You know that? So thanks, you did waste my time. You're fucking ugly and uh, you would have been one fuck. You would have been just one fuck and that would have been it because you're a disgusting fat pig. <laughs> Look, if, you don't have issues if you call out someone for being a shit person. You're a piece of shit and you're fat and you're ugly and you're ugly on the inside and the outside. And I say that to shit people. Good people, I treat well. Anyway, um, (laughs) look at my fucking face. I don't have struggle getting laid. Um, I turned down a chick tonight. Um, So, yeah, I choose not to masturbate. I choose not to come a lot. And, uh, look, you just called me hot five minutes ago saying you think I don't need to get laid. I don't uh, struggle getting laid. You're right. I don't struggle getting laid and I especially don't need a four like you to get laid.
0: So I want to talk about the voice recordings that you received. And like I said before recording, I think every time I heard it, like I listened to it a few times in a podcast and then in your post, each time I I can't, like each time it's just as horrible and more vile. And you said in the other interview that anyone at any time has a right to say no and not have these repercussions. These unfair repercussions were placed on you after just saying no. And that's the thing. I think obviously you're on a dating app, so I think kind of the idea of it is to be flirting. So for people to say, oh, you must have been flirting with him, mm-hmm. like to justify it, that kind of blows my mind. I'm like, oh, Eb, as if you were flirting with someone when you were on a dating app. <laughs> I want to know did you let those words of abuse in because they were absolutely horrible so how do you how do you process such horrible words and then move on and are you still on dating apps now or did this kind of like scar you
1: so to be honest I actually didn't read like I think when the article was published by the lad bible and then you know that's really male dominant they've got over a million followers and the only reason I saw some of the comments and people saying these things was because I was rather tagged in it or other people had stories um but I wasn't going to read them like there was no point me wasting my time to read these comments and I think you know a lot of them were were people that were just you know anti-feminism and they just wanted to say something they didn't even read the story they might have read the title and been like cool I have an opinion I'm going to I'm going to share it which it's like, no, if if you don't know what's going on, if you um, like, in the end, we all have an opinion, right? But you can't read a title of something and feel like you have the right to share your opinion and start, you know, what I didn't like was that there was women in there or even men saying really supportive things. And then trolls were coming along to like, you know, start abusing or you know fighting back on their comments so i actually didn't engage in it at all i didn't read the comments um you know some of them were direct messages which was quite hurtful because i would i would read them and they would they would say things like well you know you are fat and you are this and you are that and it was kind of like like they they were so empty like the comments were very empty there was nothing to back them there was no it was just like a, a an insult they're trying to hurt me so i just kind of I brushed them off because they actually didn't mean anything to me at all.
0: (laughs) And then are you still on dating apps now?
1: I am. So I actually went inactive a little bit on Tinder just because I did have a few people that I matched with as well as on Hinge and they kind of, they brought this up straight away and I thought, oh, maybe I should just, you know, take a pause for a little while. But no, I'm still on dating apps and I don't think that, I should feel the need to not be on them because, you know, if anything, he needs to stay away from dating apps.
0: Oh, exactly. And, I mean, that's why I was asking. I think that sometimes it's hard to go back to something when we have, I mean, to say it was a bad experience is probably a huge understatement, but I'm glad that you're on there because I think why, yeah, exactly, why should you be the one to remove yourself? You didn't do
1: anything wrong I am, to be honest, I'm taking a little bit more because I do like meeting people online. I've had so many good experiences, but I have kind of taken a step back and I am being a little bit more vigilant now, Um, you know, because I wasn't afraid to, you know, chat to people, call people, meet up, go on a date. But now I do, like at the moment, I'm a little bit more careful about, you know, who I'm chatting to. Are they verified? Do they have, like, sometimes it's, it's good to have their other forms of social media so you can see whether or not, you know, you can tell straight away if they're real or they're fake mm-hmm. by maybe their followers or their photos. So, yeah, I think I'm taking a few extra precautions, but I'm still online dating and, yeah, that like this is a really bad experience, but also I've learned a lot from it and, um, yeah, it's not going to stop me from, you know, doing what, I want to do meeting new people.
0: I want to talk about consent more broadly, because I do think that, like you said, as soon as you said that you weren't interested, it kind of should have been book closed. And it wasn't. And I think that that can be applied to so many other women, whether that is online or in person, we sort of, we feel like either A, we we can say no, and then it's not going to be received well, or it's such a big hassle to say no, that we just don't bother. And you said in, in an interview that consent is fluid so what did you mean by that and what do you think is your relationship with consent
1: yeah so I think sometimes people just think of consent as being yes and no and they expect people to like physically say those words when it's just like yeah my whole point of consent being fluid is that um, you know our body language that's consent Um, you know our mood our emotions like consent comes in all different forms so we need to stop thinking that there's a start and an end point for consent because if you say yes once or you're engaging in something like of course you're going to change your mind like that's that's normal and that's where I'm saying consent is fluid because we can change our mind we can go from a yes to a no whether it's the physical yes or no consent or whether it's our body language language whether it's withdrawing whether it's um you know, it, depending on the situation, like consent, yeah, there's so many different forms that people think once we say yes, you're, that that's consent. But it's like, no, it definitely changes along the way and that's normal. So we need to start like identifying and seeing consent as as a fluid motion.
0: I want to thank you so much for sharing and being so open. And I, like I said, I feel so proud of what you've been able to do with such a crappy situation. But to wrap up, I'd love to know what is one message that you would have uh, that you'd like to give to girls who are starting to use dating apps?
1: Um, I think the main thing is to trust your gut. Like if if you're feeling uncomfortable, um, if you don't think it's going the way you want to, like listen to yourself. You don't have to... Um, you know, cater for those, these sorts of people and make sure that, you know, they're comfortable, even though you're uncomfortable, like start standing up for yourself, um, you know, trusting your own intuition. And then that's going to, that's going to get you further in life because people that you should want to engage with, you know, you want to, you want to be enjoying that and getting joy from it. So yeah, I think those feelings, your gut intuition, all of that is just like extremely important. And I know, like I said, something, there was a lot of positive out of this. But if I go back initially, if I trusted my gut instincts, I went with my own intuition, like I could have avoided, I could have avoided all of this. Again, I don't want to put all of the pressure and the blame on myself for not listening to my gut. But I think that that's just a really important message that a lot of the time we know how we feel and we just need to believe in ourselves.
0: Yeah, 100%. And yeah, like you said, obviously... I think that sometimes even in those situations it might feel a little bit daunting or something might feel a little bit off but then you know that other side of you kicks in that's like oh you know he's reached out again I don't I don't I don't want to be rude you know I'll entertain the thought
1: yeah we start being really polite that's just what we do and it's so normal that's why we also can't we can't kick ourselves for making mistakes or doing the wrong thing because that's natural like we're curious people um, so like of course take it with a grain of salt but like if you are feeling a certain way like sometimes listen to yourself before you you know cater for someone else that's what i think's important but of course we're gonna like i said we're really curious human beings we're gonna make mistakes but just learn from them so
0: true ebony thank you so so much for chatting with me and i can't wait for people to hear it thank you so much it was so nice talking to you Thank you so much for tuning into this episode with Ebony Sanderson. I really hope that you got something out of this episode. If you'd like to hear or see more from me, pop over to the Instagram for the podcast, which is at Real Health Podcast. My Instagram is at EbonyMayHealth. And if you'd like to support the podcast, it would be amazing if you could leave a rating and review, or even take a screenshot of you listening and post it to your stories, tagging the podcast and myself. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next episode, I wish you happiness and your health.